Unbillable Hour Community Table, where real lawyers from all around the country with real issues they are dealing with right now meet together virtually to present their questions to Christopher T. Anderson, lawyer and law firm management consultant. New questions every episode, and none of it scripted. The real conversations happen here. The first two questions come from a lawyer who is seeking help on evaluating job applicants and their motivations. What questions could be used during an interview process to measure or assess motivation? Sometimes, right, the resume looks great, but they really only want to work, you know, 10 hours a week and get paid a full-time salary. Mm -hmm. And how do you identify some of that during the interview? There's, there's like a lot of ways, right, for that. I start, that, that one I think comes to one of the more cliche questions. What do you hope to get out of this job, right? I think that's one of the best questions to ask for that purpose because it's non-leading and it's wide open and the person's not, like where do you want to be in five years? That one's much more difficult. But what do you hope to get from this job? They're not expecting that question. Because all the questions in an interview are really always about what do you expect to give to this job? And so if you really, you know, what, you know, we, you could just say, listen, I, you know, we're looking for a great paralegal. We're looking for a great attorney. We're looking for someone who's going to be great with our clients. We're looking for a great marketing assistant, whatever it is. And you have all your job description. Those are all get, 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 get. So turn it around on them. Say, hey, listen, you've applied for this job. What do you hope to get from this job in the next year and five years? And if stable employment, good benefits, you know, a place to get out of the weather are their answers. That's probably not a motivated individual. If personal growth, I hope to continue to learn. I want to advance so that I can become more valuable to the business and or the clients and or the owners so that I can become a better paralegal lawyer, marketing assistant, street washer, whatever. Those are the answers you're looking for. And, you know, as long as you're good about not leading the answer to that question, just asking it and shutting up, that's the question I would use to tell me more, probably more than you ever want to know very quickly about what motivates this person. And then you got to stick with the most important rule, which is once a person tells you who they are, believe them the first time and don't try to rehab their answer. You know what I mean? I you know, definitely do. Yeah, if they if they start with the well, you know, I'm looking for a really, you know, I need I need health insurance for my kid and a steady job. Don't say, yeah, 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 everybody needs that, but what are you really hoping to get? No, they already told you. That's their answer. And for some jobs, that's okay, by the way. Right? For ministerial jobs, for someone who's moving a pile of papers from the left-hand side of the desk to the right-hand side of the desk. That's okay. For a receptionist, that might be okay. But for someone who's really going to, you need to move your business to be an important part of your brand, that's not okay. And yet, you know, it's important to interview differently for different roles because not everybody needs to be someone with big career goals or personal growth goals or advancement goals or anything else. Some people it's good. Some people it's not as important. Are there any good assessment tools to use with attorneys? Because my hiring experience has been terrible. Mm. <laughs> so, so, do you have any recommendations for tools that could be used either as a pre-screen or during that process for more of an 
personality and, and you know, work style evaluation. Sure. And so, I mean, obviously you saw that we were talking about DISC and that's actually a DISC plus, you know, it's a commercially available report. Um, several platforms use it. I really like it for an initial screen. You know, I think it takes the problem with all of them is the tools themselves are of limited use until you learn how to use them. So for DISC, for Colby, for a couple of others, um, I'm trying to uh, bring up my list of ones that, that I've used. Predictive index. That requires a cons- most of yeah. them require a consultant. I think they all do. So I like DISC for pre-screen. I like Colby more for my current team. I like predictive index, but all of them, like each and every one of them, before I used them, I worked with either the developer of it or someone from their team to run through a bunch of evaluations um, so that I got used to how to interpret them. I think they're all dangerous without that because you don't know how to read them. And like, for instance, there are certain words and ways that they're describing that you'd be very afraid of. And like, you just like would use them as hiring decision tools. And that's not what they're intended to be. They're, They're really intended to be how do you work with people too? I use Myers-Briggs too, by the way. I like, you know, for, again, the most more for current team than for screening. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, the, and then there's individuals like Jay Henderson has a business that, uh, which screens people and makes recommendations. I'm, yeah, I, I'm not a big fan. Some people really like him. But if you're looking for the magic bullet screening tool, it ain't out there. You know, Jay Niblick with WiseHire um, has ideal disk settings for roles. And I think they're worth looking at, but not to make decisions based on them, right? Everything, the, the most important is to read the report and use the report as a way to interview the person, to look for self-awareness and to poke at the deficiencies and gifts that the person has and how those have served them or impeded them during their career up till now. It's very interesting. I want to share with you one of my favorite podcasters. Malcolm Gladwell um, is is a podcaster. He's an author, a thought leader, blah, blah, blah. Um, But he recently had, he's got this podcast called Revisionist History, and it talks about everything. It's really kind of, it's a great so he had one Reese not that long ago hiring nihilism, and basically he did, he dug in the data. It's called the show is called Hamlet was wrong, and it's in revisionist history. It'll be easy to find if you put in Malcolm Gladwell. Hamlet was wrong. The premise was that really, if you look at the data, just hire the first person, and you'll do just about as well. That uh, all the screening, all the, you know, the great books, you know, I'm a big believer in a, a book called um, Who. You know, I've, I've read that, I've followed that, I've incorporated that into our, our recruiting um, in a heavy, heavy way. And Malcolm Gladwell just comes along and goes like, yeah, yeah, you know, just hire the first one. He's also proven by data, by the way, that like SATs are nonsense. Grade point averages, you know, admitting people to college based on grade point averages and SATs is predictive of pretty much nothing. And uh, like, you know, he's one data point, but, uh, you know, he's, he's very compelling when he t- talks about it. And so I just I know I'm on a rant at this point, but uh, I caution that you put too much weight in what you're actually looking for and that your frustration with the hiring process just is frustration with the hiring process and that. 
you're better off. I'm not saying dump it and I'm not saying don't use these screening tools. I still do. And I think I use them to great effect because we have a pretty good batting average that we have some disastrous hires. I just had a hire last month, a paralegal came into our business and just phoned in Monday morning, three weeks in. So it's like, I'm not coming back. This was a 20 year experienced paralegal. Like just like it, and and the the eventually we kind of learned through the grapevine that it was uh you know that she was uncomfortable with the technology that we use and it's like we should have seen that through everything we do we should have seen that and we didn't and you know though you know our total batting average is pretty good which leads me to believe that it's our onboarding process and our early nurture of the hire once they're made that's more important than the hiring process. Um, and by the way, who covers that as well, right? Who doesn't stop at the offer? And that's one of the things that I think is most powerful about that book is it goes on past the offer to the pre-onboard and then the onboarding process so that you're constantly training people and making them feel part of the organization. Find out how TimeSolve fits your firm. With six different ways to track time, surely one will fit, even on the go or quickly estimate flat fee projects. Batch payments for hundreds of invoices at once with TimeSolve Pay. Getting paid quickly is a great fit. And TimeSolve fits with the other tools you use. QuickBooks, LawPay, NetDocuments, LawRuler, Microsoft, all just plug in. Try TimeSolve free. Get a $100 Amazon gift card when you sign up. TimeSolve.com. InfoTrack, the same company that simplifies your e-filing and process serving, is right now preparing Legal Up 2024, a free and fully virtual event for legal professionals. Learn new skills from experts around the industry, meet fellow legal professionals from around the country, and tune into the latest and greatest trends and happenings from the comfort of your home or office. Join InfoTrack and One Legal on April 24th and 25th and see why 99.9% of legal professionals recommend this virtual conference. Register now at infotrack.com slash legal up. For our next question, an attorney wants to know how to best deal with a new hire who isn't completing their training. So my question is going to be around what level of upsetness and angriness should I have about a current situation I just discovered? I have a rage, rage. No, you always tell me to let it go. So here we go. (laughs) I just found out that my non-attorney salesperson who's supposed to be training twice a week with a sales trainer that I have engaged on a consistent and regular basis has not been doing that there's been some scheduling issues between the trainer and the uh, employee, but yet we had accommodated her uh, daily schedule to, to allow for this training. So she would log in at, let's just say Wednesdays and Fridays, she would log in at eight, leave at five to accommodate because she would do the training at 8 Mm AM. And we found out that the training has not been happening twice a week it's been almost like half the time, but she still logs in at 8 a.m. on the days that she didn't have training. And not uh, and her and I, and I think the important point of this whole thing is her metrics are in the toilet. 
I'm, yeah. I'm being friendly because we're on air, but her <laughs> metrics are in the toilet. And I'm sitting here thinking this whole time, wow, she must really not be good at her role because her metrics have not improved. And I, how could that be? She's training twice a week with a sales trainer, or maybe the sales trainer is ineffective, but that doesn't make much sense. And now I come to find out the training is not happening as frequently or consistently as I had been under the impression. And I'm a little upset at the sales trainer as well, quite frankly. Right. Well, I was just going to say, it sounds like you've actually got two problems, right? Yes. So you've got a sales trainer who should have reached out to you, said, hey, this person's not making their meetings. And I No, it's, 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 it's probably the sales trainer's schedule that's preventing these from happening. Then, yeah, then your person should have, well, they both should have reached they out both to should you. Have reached out. Yeah. Right. So, but let's deal with the internal problem and the sales trainer problem is secondary. You know, my immediate second question is what did she do with that time? We are um, investigating that yeah. as we speak. Cause I think that, you know, cause it's one of two possibilities. If she just logged in or he just logged in, I don't even know, and didn't do anything with that time. Didn't go to the training, went and got a latte and talked to the pigeons. That's one thing. And that's, as far as I'm concerned, it's one of the few things I I tend to not let go is uh, I don't like people to steal from the business. And I consider that theft. I do usually have one stern conversation about it before it's not like it's not an automatic termination, but it's damn close. If she was just or he was just using it for another purpose and just didn't tell you, then that's a different conversation. Also a stern one. But, you know, just like, listen, we this training is really important. I'm sorry, you, the schedule has been frustrated, but I would have expected to hear that from you so I can correct it. Because if this trainer's not working out, there's other possibilities. Like we just need, I want for your sake, because I want you to earn commissions. And for our sake, because we want to get our conversion rates to where they need to be, make sure that you're getting the training that you need to be super effective in your role. Uh, and so, you know, getting pissed off, I think serves no real purpose, but since you're still investigating, I can't advise as to which path to take. But I think the fact that you're investigating will make it pretty clear that you take this pretty seriously. Presuming that they did something productive during that time, I think the emphasis should be on your desire, your need, your strong will for them to be successful. One thing that I'll say to everybody is like one of the things that I find that I, ha I re have to repeat very often in my businesses because people don't believe it is to make sure that everybody on my team understands that I very badly want to pay them bonuses, that I want to pay them commissions, that I want to pay them bonuses, because the way the world is right now, like everybody just feels like everybody's trying to screw them. And so they figure like I've got, I, I'm, when I say, you know, if you don't, for my professional team, they have a 345 hour per quarter billable requirement or loggable time in my case, but whatever. And if it's 344.7, you didn't make it and you get no bonus for that quarter, zero. It's all or nothing you know, to become, to be eligible to earn a bonus. Now, just because you did 345 doesn't mean you get a bonus either, but to be eligible to have your boat, your KPIs bonus, you've got to hit that logged hours time. And people are like, oh, you're just trying to make it so, you know, I'm under my hours. I'm like, you have no idea. Like, if you're ever close to being under your hours, you just call, you let me know. So in this circumstance, the reason I tell that story is just the relevance here is I want you to cross your threshold of, of sales 
so that you're earning great commissions or great whatever, however you pay for for your your dragon, that you're earning the most you can, and that's not going to happen if you're not effective. That makes you sad. That makes me sad. And so that's why we're having this conversation, because I want you to be effective. I want you to earn, because that's that's why you're here. You are here to earn. And, and so and- I would just so just circle back, like what I'm saying here is like, the whole conversation needs to be couched in terms of, I want you to succeed, not I'm pissed off at you. Okay. It's going to take me a day or two not to be pissed off at her. <laughs> um, but the other part of it is I'm on, on, on the best case, on the worst case or best case scenario. I don't know who gave her the authority to modify her hours. Like let's assume she, she's still logged in at 8 AM. Yeah. Okay. Maybe she's doing something productive and I'm happy about that. But who gave her the authority to modify her hours to 8 a.m.? I certainly didn't. And well, I guess you did because you said that on these what? days you work eight to five, maybe. I, I don't know. What did you tell her? Well, because of the training. It was tied to yeah, the Yeah, but I get it, right? So they, I listen, there's so many facts I don't know. When did the trainer cancel? Was it last minute? Was it well ahead of time? Like, was she? did she come in, sit down at the desk? pick up the phone to call the trainer and then see an email. Oh, it's canceled. Well, shit, I'm at my desk. I'm just going to do something. You know, I just don't know these facts, right. um, but I wouldn't get hung up on that. Like, please don't get hung up on that. Like the, the the change of the hours, just you want this person to get trained. That's the focus. You're yeah. sad that the training hasn't gone through because that means she's delayed in reaching her success metrics that, that earn her money and earn you money. And you want to get this back on track. And if this trainer is not going to work out, I'll get another one. And please, if you ever run into this kind of problem, like that's why I'm here. You've got me, you've got my professional law firm administrator, you know, reach out, let us know that, you know, one, one of the things I tell my team, and I suggest you do too, is I say, I have one job here. You know, I wish that were true, <laughs> but I tell them I have one job here. My job is to remove obstacles from your success. That is my only job. Y- y'all burden me with all this other crap. Like burden me with that. You got yeah. an obstacle that's keeping you from being successful. Burden me with that because you will watch me fly into action to make sure that you are not prevented from reaching your maximum success in this business. Yeah. Nearly 80% of people search for lawyers online. They visit websites and check reviews. If your site doesn't appear in the top search results or it presents poorly, you risk losing clients. That's why you must know how your firm stacks up on Google against the competition. See how your reviews impact clients' decisions and how you can get better results from your site. Get an unbiased marketing performance report in under a minute right now at Grow Law Firm. And that's growlawfirm.com slash unbillable. Once again, growlawfirm.com slash unbillable. Law Clerk's nationwide network of talented freelance lawyers is trusted by thousands of law firms. Solo attorneys and firms can get help with project-based work and also ongoing work via a subscription. Sign up is free and there are no monthly fees. You only pay when you delegate work. Plus, Law Clerk has a new app for your mobile device to help you manage the work you've delegated while you're on the go. Be sure to use referral code UNBILLABLE when you sign up at lawclerk.legal. Our last question centers around what is an acceptable amount of time to wait for a newly hired attorney to start bringing in a profit? Let's say that you take a chance on one and because they seem like they are going 
that you can train them for the role that you need them or, you know, the kind of work that you need them to do. What would be an acceptable time to, I guess, see a profit from that individual or see a return? And I, I know some of that is practice area specific. And so practice areas that maybe are more heavier on the form side where there's a lot more instructions and checklists, that's probably a faster training time. But in other practice areas, it might take longer. But how would you judge that? What role are we talking about? Attorney. Okay. Um, my practice area is I do um, data privacy and security and healthcare. And so both regulated areas, both where there's stuff happening across 50 states. And so there's a lot that you have to know. So even if you're coming in from, you know, you've been practicing for a couple of years, you're coming in from a different practice area, still a ramp up time, even for an experienced attorney. Yeah. It would seem so. So, yeah, if you're hiring from outside that field, I mean, I think there's two questions you have to ask yourself is what can they do in the short term that's valuable that might be different than what they do in the long term? Can I put them to work on something while they learn this area of the law? For instance, I would work with a client who's got a pretty highly specific area of the law that requires a pretty deep understanding, probably takes a lawyer you know, a good year before they're really well-versed. However, the truth is the crux of the practice, you know, 80-20 rule, is just negotiating. For new lawyers, we could, on a given case, we can spend 20, 30 minutes teaching them the law they need to know about that specific case because, you know, each case in and of itself is, is a, you know, a, a pretty contained silo. And then send them off to negotiate based on, the, you know, on what we gave them, the, what they need to know. And so that they can add value by moving cases, even though we would never turn them loose in a courtroom on that case, right? Because they don't have the breadth that they might need for unexpected things to arise. But, you know, in the, in the context of negotiation, if something unexpected comes along, they just go like, hey, I'll get right back to you. <laughs> and then they come and ask us another question. You know, to ask, answer your question about when they would become profitable, if you structure the job sufficiently that you can give them pieces that they can competently do as early as possible. They can become profitable sooner, but they won't reach their maximum potential for a period of time. And you know your body of work better than I do. So that could be a period of months or, or many months. It is very challenging for a business to hire someone in a role like an attorney that doesn't become at least break even before three months is over. And so, you, you know, the best thing to do is to figure out a way to reach that goal through some delegation of partial work as quickly as possible. Does that make sense? It's hard to carry an attorney for a year before they can make money. You know, unless you've got 100 attorneys, then it's okay. But I'm, I'm taking from your question that you don't. I don't. And that's yeah. another thing that I have learned the hard way. All of these lessons come very hard. <laughs> Yeah, and in the early, the best thing you can do is, you know, really, and I, bet, I imagine what you're asking the question because it's probably very difficult to find an experienced attorney in your field. But, you know, that's, that's my first go, right, is find them. It doesn't matter if they're looking for a job. Go find them in the job that they're doing. Hire, hire them, buy their whole, you know, take their whole practice, whatever it, it takes. You'll be better off if you can get one or two people who are as good or better than you in the field, and then you can hire the younger attorneys. I, I hire very few baby attorneys in our businesses. 
I, I, I do from time to time because I think it's important to to help the younger attorneys along. But that's in the context of already having you know the sufficient stable of experienced attorneys that can mentor and train the younger attorneys or less experienced. They don't have to be younger. Thank you. Experienced. Yeah, you're, you're very welcome. And for our listeners, um, remember that you can listen to and or be a part of the Unbillable Hour community table. It's always at the same time, every single month, third Thursday at three Eastern. And you just dial in. Um, you can check out uh, the Unbillable Hour on LegalTalkNetwork.com. All the Zoom information, et cetera, for the Unbillable Hour community table is right there for you. Thank you for listening. This has been the Unbillable Hour community table on the Legal Talk Network. Workers' Comp Matters is a podcast dedicated to exploring the laws, the landmark cases, and the true stories that define our workers' compensation system. I'm Judd Pierce, and together with Alan Pierce, we host a different guest each month as we bring to life this diverse area of the law. Join us on Workers' Comp Matters on the Legal Talk Network.